You're listening to an all-new Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Morning, honey. It's time for chasing the word here on Compassion Radio. I'm ready Radio. to chase it with you today. And we're jumping into a new psalm today. It's our series on the Psalms of David. Yeah. The past few weeks has been about Psalm 23, 23 for 23. But we're going to go work our way down now to Psalm 20, and we'll read that together. We'll also discuss themes that emerge from it on the first reading. If we have more to say on that, or God seems to be pricking us that we need to talk about this a little bit longer, we'll extend the series into other weeks. No matter what we do, we're going to be following David through his psalms during this series. Yeah, so I like the thought of that. It gives us a little continuity in Mm -hmm. the sense that before, we've picked a particular book of the Bible and gone through that verse by verse, basically. The psalms are a little different. There's a bunch of them, and not all of them were written by the same author. Because they're also worship in the ancient history of the Jews, this was their hymn book. So we're talking about the worship set here. If you go to church on any given Sunday, you're probably going to hear some kind of worship music that's been planned out the week before that might coincide thematically with the sermon being preached. But it's been planned out. You know, someone has thought this through saying, on this given Sunday, we should sing these things. We should focus on these themes. And we're going to invite everyone to join in with us. David's got a whole bucket of themes that seem to repeat themselves and are essential to healthy spirituality. And that's why he wrote the Psalms he did. Yeah, well, what I think I love about David and so many of us do, he was such a broken man. Mm. Not just broken by other things outside. Often he had a habit of running headlong into walls. (laughs) Much of it because of his own choices, for sure. But he cried out to God in that brokenness. Mm. And we get the benefit of that through the book of Psalms. Reading through these psalms, we can always find something that's going to fit where we are. It's going to meet us at our deepest need because it's such a personal insight into David's heart, but also just into his passion for the Lord. And we can use that in our own lack of ability to find words. First and Second Samuel, Kings and Chronicles, other histories within the Old Testament, and the references to David in the New Testament— all give us information about the king and his place in history and God's calling upon his life. Just the facts. Psalms gives us David. Yeah. To be with anybody who's been going through something, like Job went through something. God forbid we should ever have that kind of tragedy in our lives like Job did. But if we were, how would we face it? Mm. Someone stepped there before us and has shown us the way. And God has shown up in those situations for others. In these stories, in these psalms, we find God showing up. That should give us comfort and encouragement that whatever should come our way, that he will be present. And David reminds us about that in every single one of his psalms. Yeah. So I'm going to read Psalm 20 from the voice translation. For the worship leader, a song of David. May the Eternal's answer find you. Come to rescue you when you desperately cling to the end of your rope. May the name of the true God of Jacob be your shelter. May he extend hope and help to you from his holy sanctuary and support you from his sacred city of Zion. May he remember all that you have offered him. May your burnt sacrifices serve as a prelude to his mercy. Pause. May he grant the dreams of your heart and see your plans through to the end. When you win, we will not be silent. We will shout and raise high our banners in the great name of our God. May the Eternal say yes to all your requests. I don't fear. 
I'm confident that help will come to the one anointed by the Eternal. Heaven will respond to his plea. His mighty right hand will win the battle. Many put their hope in chariots, others in horses. But we place our trust in the name of the Eternal One, our true God. Soon our enemies will collapse and fall, never to return home. All the while, we will rise and stand firm. Eternal One, grant victory to our King. Answer our plea for help. The twist for me in this translation is the prepositions, the way we go into the thought. It says, may our God do these things. May we. It sets up the possibility. The approach that the translator is using here is a hopeful imagination of what God can do and might do and would do if he chose to. And we hope that he will. Mm -hmm. That's the lens through which this translator is looking. They can do that because the language is open. Because when I look back at the other translations that are more common to us, like NIV, or in this case, the Names of God Bible, it says, Yahweh will answer. He will send. He will remember. He will give. We will joyfully sing about victory. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that there's much more of an imperative The imperative and the inquisitiveness, the hopefulness, the subtlety of wanting God to do something and expecting God to do something is all implied. Mm -hmm. The original Hebrew does not tell us God concretely, absolutely guarantees and he must do these things. But yet our heart sings that way. And David is also saying it in another way, in another tense. Oh, I hope that God would. Oh, I've seen that God does. Oh, will he do it again? Oh, my God does this kind of thing. (laughs) There's a cycle going through him like... Would God, should God, can God? He will. But all of that is colliding in this beautiful bubble of doubt and hope. Mm-hmm. You know, everything about this says to me that David is thinking it and feeling it at the same time and trying to resolve all the mess of his own heart in the face of great threat to his peace and tranquility and to even the safety of his nation. Yeah. I read it as a blessing even that David is praying over people. Mm -hmm. Or the music leader will sing it over a congregation. I pray that the Lord does these things. I pray that the Lord answers you. Yeah, He may do these things. Kind of like a benediction. A benediction or a blessing over a situation or a group of people. Yeah. May the Lord... Bless you and keep you. That whole benediction. So if we speak it as a benediction or as a blessing over others, we are tapping into a well of truth and experience that others have had, saying, may God do for you what he has done for them. Mm-hmm. We say those things, hopefully, believing that God can and will and does. Yeah. However we end up approaching this, however the translators approach this episode, it's either in the first person contemporaneous time, or it's looking across the century saying, this is who God is is. Mm -hmm. And we see it in the words of David. We can hope for those things too. It's not untoward to expect of God to do good and merciful things. I like the translation of the Common English Bible too. And Mm. it says, let God Mm -hmm. do these things. Let the name of Jacob protect you. Hold the lens right there. Let God send you help. Let God recall your offerings. Let God grant you what is in your heart. It's permission that we're giving God in some ways to enter into our own life and say, God, I want to let you do these things in my life. This speaks to David's belief that God is capable and that God has already shown up in these ways and now inviting you to let God do this in your life. And I'm also seeing in that particular translation, that lens, this is a sidebar. This is David, the poet, the king, saying to you on the side, hey, don't mess with God on this one. He's got this, but you've got to get out of his way. Mm -hmm. 
And so let him do it. Let him do his work. It's not that God won't do his work, but we often don't have the experience or the sense that he's doing his work Mm -hmm. because we're not focused on it. We're really focused on us. Yeah. And to say, let God do something is not to say God is waiting for permission from you to do something. It is saying that you need to let yourself see what God is doing. Let him do these things. And then he says in verse five, we're going to rejoice with you. Mm -hmm. We're going to throw a party. We're going to shout. We're going to wave flags and banners in the name of God because he has come through for you. We're going to watch your life and we're going to see how you've allowed him to come through and to be your greatest cheerleader in some ways and your strength and your stronghold and all of those things that we know are true about God and that David so eloquently puts in other Psalms. We're going to see that God has come through and we're going to rejoice with you. Just let him fulfill these requests. Honey, you're talking about something that we often forget to do in prayer, the part of the discipline of prayer, especially when we're into intercession. When we ask God for something is to, at other times, acknowledge that God has answered things. How much time do we actually spend asking or begging God for something or informing him of what he's got to do for us Mm. that we don't spend any time acknowledging what happened? Looking back and saying, well, God answered that prayer. And we talk about it amongst ourselves, but do we ever go to him and say, thanks? (laughs) That reminds me of Jesus and the lepers. A whole group of them got healed by him and only one thought to himself, I need to go back And thank Jesus for doing what he did. So what David is talking about is acknowledging the great acts of God and how he's exerted effort on our behalf, how he has come to our aid and acknowledging that. Because how can we really expect good things in the future if we haven't even been grateful for the things he's done in the past? Mm. Can we really expect an answer? Yeah. I think if we have ignored his answers, maybe we didn't get everything we wanted, but God seemed to be, if we think about it, active in and answering the things we did ask for, the things we did plead with him about, the things we asked him to do for us or for others. Sometimes his response was no, and we won't acknowledge that either. And we hold a grudge against God. There's no sense in David's psalm here that there's room for grudges, that we will celebrate the victories. And sometimes those victories are over our own attitudes. Ooh, yeah. Well, we know that God said no to David multiple Mm. times. Yes. We've seen that throughout the scripture, like you talked about earlier in the book of the facts about David's life. We see the no that God inflicted on him in some ways we want to say that or blessed him with either way. So we know that David gets it. He Mm -hmm. understands that part of God's character. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, 
which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. Well, we know that God said no to David mm. multiple times. Yes. We've seen that throughout the scripture, like you talked about earlier in the book of the facts about David's life. We see the no that God inflicted on him in some ways we want to say that or blessed him with either way. So we know that David gets it. He mm-hmm. understands that part of God's character, that there is a no involved. But Not he always. also sees the goodness of God yes. in all things. And we see David repeatedly saying, these things happened. This is bad. Take care of my enemies. I'm in a terrible place, but I praise you. Verse 5 does that. I would say that it comes in this order. First, we joyfully sing about your victory. We will wave our flags in the name of our Elohim, the Supreme One. Then Yahweh will fulfill all your requests. Partly because I think when we get our moral compass reset and we have our eyes on him and we've already celebrated and are in the middle of celebrating the things that we've seen God do and is in fact doing in our lives and in the world around us, that he's an active and present God. He's not just some abstraction. He's not an idea out there. Only them do I think we can turn around and say with confidence, what we're going to ask right now in the midst of this gratitude I'm convinced God's going to fulfill it. Mm. Why will we ask for things that are selfish in the midst of an unselfish experience where it's all about God and it's all about acknowledging his supremacy and his goodness? When we see a good God, we're going to ask for good things in a good way. <laughs> you know, we are not going to be demanding or bitter about the things we did not get. So I am also reminded of the scripture in Romans 8 that says the Spirit makes intercession for us. The Spirit knows the things of our deepest desires, knows the things of our heart. Mm. And so the Spirit is going to bring those things before the Father, even in our anguish and in our prayers, and even in our passionate discourse with God. You know, these are the things I'm convinced that I need or that I want. The Spirit interprets those things in such a way that it goes right to the heart of God. I believe this. I believe that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, in our despair, in our downtrodden place, in our desperation, Mm -hmm. the things that we think we need, you know, we think we want them. Here's what I'm thinking about. When we say that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for Mm -hmm. words, we think about us sitting here in our misery or some difficulty. We can't express ourselves well, or we don't even know if we should. We have this idea that the Spirit's out there somewhere thinking about what we're feeling and then whispering in the Father's ear, some are way over there. Mm, yeah. What about him being right there over our shoulders holding us? What if the Holy Spirit is actually mourning right there while we do? What if he is like the good family member that stands with us when we lost somebody? What if we have no clue how to get out of our hearts and our minds what's really going on there? We don't even have words for it. Mm-hmm. But the Spirit then says to the Father, In our hearing, hear me, Father, and speak something that you know, that you know when he says it is real for you. He nailed it. Mm -hmm. He's getting it exactly right. And always does. Yeah. But I mean that in the sense that he's right there. How can we not hear God interceding for us? 
that the Spirit is right there with us, speaking for us because we can't do it ourselves. But something in us wants to. Uh, about 30 years ago, you and I were leading a group through New Zealand, and we got an invitation to go visit a Maori, which is a meeting place for the Maori people. It's a very rare thing to be invited to go do that. It's, a, it's an official thing. It's even political, but it has a lot of religious significance, too. And we were invited to go visit with the chief of that tribe in that area and actually enter the Maori and interact with each other and sit down and visit So it was not a small thing to be invited to do this. And we had no idea how to do that. And someone said, it's okay, we'll have someone speak for you. It was like, that's a relief, but what does that mean? You know, we were told that because we were singers, that we would have to approach the Maori singing. Mm -hmm. So what do you offer? I said, whatever is in your heart. And I I just told them, I I don't know what we start with. I don't want to offend. They said, that's all right, we'll have a singer for you. So one walked ahead of us. And as I spoke a few words of greeting, he would sing it to the Mara as we walked up the hill together. And this voice introduced us in song by names and by what we do. And this person had been to one of our concerts and had seen what we do and described it to his chief in song Mm -hmm. while we were approaching. The thing we approached was the throne room. The more I think about that experience over all these years, it occurs to me that this is probably the best analogy I've seen in my real life Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit interceding for us. Because we had somebody who actually knew us and had met us and sang for us and had the authority to sing to his king. And because he sang his song, we were ushered right into the throne room. We were given refreshments. We were invited to sit close and tell our story and to hear the story of the king. It was amazing. I remember looking around the Maori and we saw pictures from way back in the 1890s of of queens and kings from different nations that were in the room that had visited with the chiefs at that time. And now we were. And something else that stands out to me about that experience is that because we were sung for and because we got to sing to a king, our song was now part of the song of the king. Mm Mm-hmm. We were now part of that history, of that family, of that experience across decades and centuries. We had entered into that. It also reminds me that the song we sing to God or the intercession the Spirit makes on our behalf is not just about grief. No. Because we weren't grieving when we went into that place, Mm -hmm. we went into that meeting. We were expectant and excited and honored Mm -hmm. and maybe a little confused as to why we were allowed to be there. But all of that was interpreted to the king for us. And sang in the language of the king. sang in the language of the king, and it was a joyful experience. So that whole idea of the Spirit interceding for us, it goes with every emotion that we experience before God. Because there have been times when all you can say is, Woohoo! Yeah. You know, and how does the spirit interpret that? that well, we word, don't know. <laughs> groanings of the Holy yeah. Spirit is not just about some kind of pain. Right. But we take it that way. Yeah. Because we hear that word groan. Groan is not used as something that's happy for us. Right. But it does mean the inexplicable utterances, the things you just say, oh, you got to get it out. <laughs> right. And sometimes you're screaming at a ball game or something. There's something about just the visceralness of getting it out and shouting, mm-hmm. even if it's not even a word. That you know you were there, and because it came out of you, that pneuma, that breath, that 
you know, we whisper Yahweh because we have such reverence for God himself. We can't figure out any other way but to breathe his name. Yeah. Other times he's saying, shout my victories. And that's what verse 5 in the middle of this psalm is saying to us. We're going to scream it out there, Lord. We're going to celebrate it. In the midst of all this, you're the victor. Yeah. And you do this victory. We celebrate that. Oh, I want, if anything, to capture from this psalm is that God is a victorious God because he is. He wins because he's good Mm -hmm. and because evil cannot triumph in the face of a good king. He has all the authority to dispel with sin and finally deal with it and evil to be pushed away from us forever. And it seemed like it's his joy and honor to welcome us near him in his throne room and keep the evil ones out. That while we're with him, we do not need to fear because it's a party in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. It's also safe to mourn if necessary. It's just safe. Yeah. And therefore, let's let go a little bit. Yeah. You know, like the wedding feast idea. Jesus starts his whole ministry, his whole public face forward by celebrating the beginning of something beautiful. Mm-hmm. And making it possible for everyone else that is there to witness to not just see it, but to be part of it and to savor it. Mm-hmm. Nobody left unsatisfied. Right. So that, to me, I think is the first takeaway from the psalm. I'm not sure we'll go with it next week, but that's where I am on this one. Yeah, it's a good start. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Chasing the Word here at Compassion Radio. We, we hope you go to our website and download the study guide that goes along with this program today. And then join us tomorrow for more Compassion Radio stories of God's kingdom work around the world. Thank you again for joining us. Such a tiny
Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com. Or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.